Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Playmakers. What's up guys? For today's video, I'm going to be doing a breakdown of some of these second year running backs. We saw a ton of rookie running backs last year just break into the NFL and be immediate performers on their NFL teams and for people's fantasy teams. And so I just wanted to take this video to go through and kind of break down what I'm expecting from them for the 2021 season. If you guys enjoy this video, make sure you leave a like and subscribe. It really helps the channel out a lot. And also make sure you guys let me know your thoughts down below. Let me know if you agree with my breakdowns or if you disagree with them and you know, tell me why and I'll make sure to get back to you. But let's get into it. The first guy I wanna talk about is Jonathan Taylor from the Colts. He is currently my number six running back. And I think when people hear that, they kinda of think I'm overranking him but I do just kind of want to clarify that I have a solid top four, and that's McCaffrey, Cook, Derrick Henry, and then it's Alvin Kamara. And then I think I have a tier break, and it's Saquon. And then I think there's kind of another tier break. And then you have Jonathan Taylor. It could be Ezekiel Elliott, Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, all of those guys. So Taylor is my number six, but there definitely is some separation between him and that like true, true top, top tier. In 2020, Jonathan Taylor didn't come in and really take over the backfield until the last six weeks of the season. And those last six weeks, it was against some poor run defenses, but I'm not going to focus on like his fantasy points from those weeks. I'm just going to more focus on his usage. And in those last six weeks, he averaged 19.8 carries per game and 2.3 receptions per game. So that's really what you want to see out of your workhorse running back. I do have to say that if you're expecting a ton of work in the receiving game from Jonathan Taylor, I do think you're going to be disappointed. He wasn't heavily involved in the receiving game last year, and that was with Phillip Rivers. So now you're moving to Carson Wentz, who is definitely worse at getting his running backs involved. And you still have Naheem Hines there, who's going to be the number one receiving back. He's likely the guy who's going to be in there on those third and longs. So that's really the main downside for Jonathan Taylor. I know some other people are concerned about Marlon Mack coming back, and I've touched on this in a couple other videos, but I really don't think you should be concerned about that. He's coming off of an Achilles tear, which is really just a brutal injury for any NFL players, but especially running backs. It's really hard to get all that athleticism back. And so I really expect Marlon Mack to just get maybe like 30 to 50 carries the entire season. He's just gonna be a guy who comes in maybe in garbage time, or just maybe like a change of pace every once in a while. But I really don't think he's going to be cutting into Jonathan Taylor's work at all. And I just wanted to kind of share some stats from last year that Jonathan Taylor had. He was number two in breakaway runs, number three in rush yards, and number four in total touchdowns. And that's without him being the workhorse for the whole year. So just imagine what those numbers are going to look like when he gets that full RB1 workload throughout 16 games. So he's definitely someone that I'm excited for in 2021. Now I'm going to talk about Cam Akers. And I honestly expect Cam Akers to have pretty similar usage to Jonathan Taylor. I think he's going to get a ton of carries, but maybe not have a ton of volume in the passing game, just like I talked about with Jonathan Taylor. In the last four regular season games in 2020, Cam Akers averaged 21.5 carries per game, which is obviously a crazy number. Anything even close to 20 is really solid. So over 20 is what you really want to see. And I think this Rams offense is going to be taking a huge step forward this year. You have Matthew Stafford coming in, which is just going to elevate the offense as a whole. I think it could take some pressure off that run game and also just get him some more red zone looks. And I'm definitely not comparing Cam Akers to Todd Gurley when I talk about this. 
but it is reassuring to see that Sean McVay has used a high-end RB1. You have to have a coach that's willing to give you that high-end usage, and Sean McVay has shown that he is willing to do that. So I just think that's another thing kind of going in Cam Akers' favor this year. Next up, we've got Antonio Gibson. And I was just looking at his 2020 numbers and kind of surprisingly, I saw that he was number 12 in total points for running backs in 2020 and number 16 in points per game. And he put up those numbers while dealing with injuries. And obviously it took him a few weeks to get going, just like it did for a lot of these rookie running backs. You tend to see that they kind of struggle in the first couple weeks. And then once they kind of build up that confidence, the team trusts them, then they start to get those big weeks. And just like I talked about with the Rams, I expect this Washington football offense to take a big jump forward, which once again should only benefit Gibson. He's going to get some more touches. He's going to get more looks in the red zone. And he may not be heavily involved in the receiving game, but I do think it's a little bit comforting to know that he definitely has the potential to be involved. You know, so it's not like a guy like Ronald Jones where they don't throw in the ball because he just physically can't catch it. Antonio Gibson is a great receiver. And so, you know, maybe something happens with JD McKissick and then Antonio Gibson can just step into that role. It's just nice to know that he does have that potential. And even if he doesn't get that volume in the receiving game, I'm still very confident in him for 2021. Now we've got Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who I think a lot of people forget before the Le'Veon Bell signing, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was averaging 17.8 carries per game and three and a half receptions per game. And he was doing all that while being incredibly unlucky with touchdowns. You know, he had a pretty rough end of the year. They brought in Le'Veon Bell. It was just a big timeshare in that backfield. And then his season was basically derailed with injuries. He really couldn't get back to his beginning of the year form. And he really just left a sour taste in many people's mouths last year. You know, he was a guy that was getting picked late first round. So we had high, high, high draft capital, and he really just did not live up to it at all. And so the way I'm looking at it, I think you have two groups of people. You're going to have the people who feel really burnt by him. They went out, they drafted Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and he totally underperformed. And then I think you're also going to have another group of people who were off of the Clyde Edwards-Alaire bandwagon. They didn't think he was that great. They didn't draft him, and they kind of feel vindicated now that he underperformed. So I think you could see both those groups being like, no, we don't want Clyde Edwards-Alaire this year. And I think that's where you can kind of slide in and capitalize on his lackluster 2020. All right, now we've got DeAndre Swift, who his 2020 season was pretty insane when you look at just how low his usage was. So he was number 18 in total points, and he only played in 13 games, and he was number 19 in points per game, but he only had double-digit carries six times. So if you're finishing as a kind of mid-tier RB2 and you're barely getting double-digit carries, that is very impressive. He has great upside in the receiving game. And even with Jamal Williams there in the backfield, the Lions just need weapons to give the ball to. They're looking at DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson are probably going to be their two main guys. I mean, that receiving core, I think there's definitely value there for fantasy purposes. But if you're ranking them in comparison to other teams, I mean, you've got Brashad Perriman as your wide receiver one. So it's probably one of the worst wide receiver rooms in the NFL. So they're just going to need to be giving him the ball. And they've also made some upgrades to their offensive line. They've re-signed some of their top O-linemen. And then they also went out and drafted Panay Sewell in the NFL draft. So there's definitely a lot of positive things for DeAndre Swift going into next year. Now we're going to look at J.K. Dobbins. And to be honest, he's a very tough player to evaluate for 2021. And it's just because when he was fully thrust into the lineup, 
He just produced at an absolutely insane efficiency. So Dobbins really broke out in week 11. And so the last six games of the season, after that breakout, he saw double-digit carries in every game, but he didn't have any more than 15 carries in one game. So he was really kind of locked in between 10 and 15 carries. But in those last six weeks, he scored seven rushing touchdowns while only catching three passes. So it's just really tough to feel totally confident drafting J.K. Dobbins because of that crazy touchdown dependency and just lack of work in the receiving game. Even though J.K. Dobbins can catch the ball out of the backfield, the Ravens just opt to not pass to their running backs, which obviously is a little bit unfortunate for fantasy. And Dobbins is never going to be getting like around 20 carries a game just because they like to use multiple running backs. It's going to be him and Gus Edwards in the backfield. And then Lamar Jackson operates as a guy who's going to get probably 10 carries a game and is going to be a red zone threat. So I think everyone just kind of has to make their own decision on whether or not they're going to go out and get J.K. Dobbins and whether or not they feel comfortable kind of banking on him just scoring a touchdown every week because that's what you're going to need for him to truly put up points on a week-to-week basis. All right, the last guy I'm going to talk about is James Robinson, and this is rough. The people who have been watching the video since the beginning knew I was super high on James Robinson before the draft. He was a guy that I really liked. I didn't think the Jaguars were going to go out and get a top running back in the draft. And so I was very high on him for 2021. But after the Travis Etienne being drafted in the first round, I'm pretty much totally off of the James Robinson hype train. Right now, he's going as RB28. And he's basically going in that kind of middle of the running back dead zone where if I've already got like my top four running backs, I don't really want to pick a running back in that range. I just don't think there's a ton of value. I think you're more likely to get a top receiver or even like a quarterback in that range as opposed to opting for a running back where I think you're kind of chasing upside where there isn't much. I expect Travis Etienne to basically have a monopoly on the receiving work out of the backfield. I mean, you've heard Urban Meyer talking about how he's basically been playing receiver in rookie workouts. And so that basically leaves James Robinson and Carlos Hyde the carries and the goal line work. And I mean, Travis Etienne is definitely going to be getting carries too. I'm not buying about Urban Meyer saying Travis Etienne is only a third down back. You don't draft a running back in the first round to play on one down. That's just not how it works. And so there's just way too many players involved in this offense for me to feel comfortable drafting James Robinson. You know, you've got three guys in the backfield competing for touches on an offense that hasn't really proven anything yet. I do think it's going to be a pretty solid offense, but you just got a variety of weapons. So you have ETN, Robinson, and Carlos Hyde in the backfield. Now you've got Tim Tebow, you've got DJ Chark, you've got Marvin Jones, you have LaVisca Chenault. You just have a lot going on. And so James Robinson is definitely going to be a guy that I'm avoiding going into 2021. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this video. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening. If you guys enjoyed the content, make sure you leave a like and subscribe. I would really appreciate it. And also make sure you let me know your thoughts down below. I'll make sure to get back to you. Thank you guys again. I'll see you guys tomorrow.